What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, after the Bills' unfortunate loss to the New York Jets on Sunday, we both decided the hell with recording. We were not in the mood for it. We were watching the game together at Thin Man and just wanted no part of, of talking about anything, really. That doesn't mean that things were good for the Sabres either this weekend, as they were handed a pair of back-to-back five-to-three losses to two of the Eastern Conference's best in the Carolina Hurricanes and the Tampa Bay Lightning. This, of course, comes after their impressive six-to-three win against the Penguins on Wednesday, but a disappointing couple of games for the Sabres. To make matters even worse, their injury woes on the blue line have seemingly gone nuclear, as now Rasmus Dahlin had missed both of the games from the weekend. Wait, did he play on Friday? He did. That's when he got hurt, right? He got, yeah. So as Rasmus Stalin missed Saturday's game after getting hurt on Friday, he was not at morning skate on Monday. Again, just making matters worse on the blue line. So all in all, it was a pretty rough weekend. And then on top of that, Elon Musk owns Twitter. And so generally speaking, <laughs> things have gone to shit in the world. Your thoughts? <laughs> well, it was been a bad sports, like 48 hours, 72 hours. I got to say, it hasn't been good. It's been really bad all around. For me in particular, it hasn't been particularly entertaining, but America's team, the Phillies, lost, unfortunately, to, uh, I don't know, Hell's team, the Houston wow, Astros. Forgot about the Astros, yep. we all It lose. really landed with a dud, though, honestly. Like, I was out on Saturday night, and it wasn't even on TV anywhere. Like, any of the bars. I wasn't, I granted, I wasn't in Philly or Houston, but the World Series used to mean something, man. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, my teams in particular continue to torture me, even though I, I recently said that it's it's been one of the best sports stretches of my life. Kind of still is, but the 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 wonderful Tennessee Volunteers lost, Tottenham Hotspur lost, the Bulls blew a lead, the Sabres lost twice, and unfortunately, the Chiefs won, meaning that they're right back in it with the Bills for the one seed. And not only did... Tom Brady and the Buccaneers win one of the ugliest and dumbest games of the year uh, by a score of, I believe, 16 to 13. Uh, it kicked off a round of like, oh, the GOAT's not quite dead yet on Twitter after he scored 16 points. Needed all 60 minutes to score 16 points on a 3 and 4 team or what's now a 3 and 5 team. So, really annoying sports weekend. Um, just in general, awful, real awful vibes. But anyway, Skipping past all that, let's talk about the Sabres, because I'm not that mad about them, even though I am concerned about what's coming up. Taking zero points from Carolina and Tampa, you don't love to see it. It's two teams I don't especially care for, especially Carolina, Uh, but they are really good. I know Tampa hasn't had a particularly good year yet, but I think everyone has faith that they're going to be a top three team in the Atlantic by the time the season's over. At the very least, top four, if it's a strong top four again. Seems like it might be. And Carolina is a really good look at winning the other division. So these are potentially – this is a, a potential Eastern Conference Finals matchup, honestly. It very nearly was one last year. So that those those teams are – at this point of the Sabres' rebuild, you can't be that mad about losing either of those games, particularly when you're this banged up on the blue line. Like, you, you could not have reasonably expected to have won on Saturday – after basically being down four defensemen. Right. And, and, and playing guys really, like Kyle Clegg. Yeah. And in both games, Friday and Saturday, they had leads that, of course, you know, ended up evaporating there. But again, you're missing your best player for one on Saturday. Two on top of that, you're missing 
your third best defenseman. You're missing your, you know, another top four defenseman there. It makes a huge difference. And I think more than anything else, I'm with you where it's like, I'm not necessarily pressing the panic button or anything like that, because this is who they are. You know, like, I think that what we'll continue to see from them this year is that against middle of the road and maybe underperforming teams, we'll call it, they will be able to win. They'll be in every game. And then when it comes to playing against some of these teams who are in the upper echelon of the league, they're just not in their class yet. They're not there yet. Uh, of course, you know, again, a five to three loss against a, a really good Tampa team when you're missing your best player. And again, other key pieces on the blue line there, you know, what are you going to do? But I think it either way, you know, like they're not at Tampa's level. They're not at Carolina's level yet. And, you know, we'll see how they do in their next matchup. Hopefully they'll be a little bit healthier when it gets to being that point. But I can't really say that I'm that concerned because this is, again, just who they who they are right now, you know, and we'll see how the rest of the year is going to go. We'll see how this next stretch ends up shaking out as they now sit at seven and five. But again, I, I think it's just making sure that we're keeping expectations tempered in spite of the fact that they've been off to this great start. I know obviously the last two games, you know, deflated things a little bit, but still they've been off to a really strong start here. You're seeing a lot of good. You're seeing, again, it, it feels like this year is really an extension of what last year was, where last year was get Darlene back on track, see who's going to pop this year. Like if we can get maybe one or two of the young guys to really stand out and just see who's going to be able to turn the switch back on after Kruger had left. And we had said all off season and coming into this year, this year is really supposed to be an extension of that, where the guys who made strides last year, Darlene, Tage, et cetera, continue taking the steps that they took last year and show that last year wasn't a fluke. We've seen that from both of those guys. Then on top of that, you want to see further steps come from guys like Cousins, for example, Samuelson with more of an extended uh, stretch of play. Obviously he's been hurt, but in the time that he's been, you know, active, he's looked really good and has been everything that we've signed up for with the contract that he got in the off season. And then on top of that, you have a lot of young guys on the team. And so seeing how they're going to show out and, J.J. Paterka has been phenomenal this year. Owen Power, these past couple of games, even though it was in losses, has been fantastic for them. All things considered and, and what he's being asked of right now, having less than, you know, 30 NHL games under his belt. He's he's looking damn good. Jack Quinn is starting to turn things around. Hopefully we're going to see Krebs start to turn things around a little bit more, too. So you're getting, and again, there's so many question marks and goal too, on top of that. I mean, I think it's, it's hard to pin any of, you know, this start or the last couple of games on, on Comrie and Anderson, because again, you're just playing against teams that are a, a complete level above you, but we're getting what we've been expecting and what we've been hoping for. And again, this still kind of puts them in line with where they are right now, where we're going to be looking at this team. Hopefully I think in a best case scenario, you know, obviously best case scenario is they shock everybody and make the playoffs, but a realistic best case scenario for them is that they're able to hang around or above 500. They're able to compete in just about every single game they're in the games where they're not good and as good as the other teams, they're able to still stick around. Maybe they sneak a couple of those wins out and by and large against other teams though, every night you're going in thinking that this team has a shot to win. And that uh, again, knowing that you're not, world's better than the majority of the teams in the league. As long as you're in the game and you're able to continue scoring, you know, at the clip that they're at right now. Um, I mean, obviously I think, you know, you have to take into account things like shooting percentage and whatnot, but uh, to me, again, it just, I guess to sum it all up, it, it feels like 
to use a, a very famous sports quote, football quote, they are who we thought they were. Yeah, I think it, if the Sabres really wanted to make a serious run at the playoffs this year, they would need everything to go right. And through 10 yeah. games, it kind of was. But missing this many defensemen this quickly, this would pretty much derail any team. And the way you would stop it from derailing your season, even on a temporary basis, is if you just had really, really strong goaltending. And yeah. honestly, the Sabres just have really average goaltending. Maybe not even that. I guess we'll see how that shakes out. But it's been pretty average so far, I'd say. So it's it it's not a it's kind of a situation where it's like, how mad can you really be when you don't have these guys? Delene and Samuelson are, are two of your three best defensemen. You've Lubchushkin obviously mattered a lot, and even Yoki Haru. I mean, hey, it's a guy. It's a guy right. so you don't have to play Cal Clegg or or someone like that that should be in Rochester. And on the other hand, I guess you can be kind of excited that Owen Power is uh he's done pretty well in his absence. He's he's got a lot of gotten a lot of minutes and he hasn't embarrassed himself. He's done he's been good, like steady, and he's been in a, a productive offensively at the same time. But you you're not gonna win with this especially against really good teams with this as your defensive core for the time being. Uh, and it's, I believe uh, it's been reported this morning by our, our pal, Chad D. Dominicus, that it's a head injury for Darlene. Oh, so God. that who knows how long that'll be. I, I don't think we have much clarity on any of the injuries right now no. on the blue line. So yeah, it's not, it's not really what you want going into two games in the next few days. Yeah, definitely not. And so the Sabres in the forward group ended up shaking up lines at practice on Monday morning the lines are as follows at the top, a big change here. We have Thompson centering Middlestat and Paterka. The second line is Cousins centering Skinner and Tuck. Third line, Krebs centering Asplin and Olofsson. And a fourth line of Gergensen centering Quinn and Opozo and Hinostroza rotating in there. So I'm, I want to get into this a little bit because I think there's some really interesting stuff here. I think the only, to be completely honest with you, glaring issue that I have is again <clears throat> that we're in this position right now where Jack Quinn or whoever of the young guys I know it's been uh, Krebs at a couple of points too are skating on the fourth line and those aren't the minutes that I really want them getting I mean I know that there's something to be said about putting them with you know defensively responsible guys but again I want them in in offensive uh, creation opportunities not having to you know play that kind of a defensive game and it's good to have one of those guys on that line like for example like Krebs having Asplund on the wing. I mean, we know from like the track record, even into last year, what Asplund playing with Olofsson was able to do and just how Asplund's defensive game really compensates for a lot of the lack of Olofsson's defensive game. And he just elevates him. But we've also seen that in stretches from when Asplund has played with Krebs this year too. So I think that that combination really intrigues me. The first line I think is interesting because you're putting, you're not just relying on Thompson to do everything. You're putting Paterka with him, which I think is, is very helpful just from what we've seen from Paterka this year. And to be quite honest, He's earned, I think, a look playing on the top line at this point. And then Middlestat, I think that that is great that they're not playing him at center anymore because I just I don't think that he is an NHL center. I think that he's going to be able to carve out a role as a middle six, probably more likely a third line winger in the NHL, but not at center. It's his skating. It's his defensive ability. It's all of those things. And I think that just in general, his game is much more conducive to playing wing and he's able to have much more of a positive impact playing wing. And so I'm really intrigued to see how he's going to look playing with Thompson and Paterka 
moving into the next game. Uh, on top of that, too, I think putting Skinner and Tuck with Cousins is is very exciting. I mean, we've been talking all year about how Tuck is really that kind of jackknife piece who can play with anybody and is going to elevate whatever line he plays on. And we know that him and Skinner work together from their time with Tage. So you put him with a young center like Cousins, who we're really hoping is going to continue to take a step this year as he's been really great out of the gate for them. So all in all, I, I generally speaking, like the, the idea of, changing up the comb- the line combinations in this way and what I'm assuming is would be, you know, the, the coaching staff's rationale for doing so. So your thoughts on the forward group here? Well, I do actually like switching things up a little bit because they have kind of an imperfect group, as we've mentioned before. Uh, so I think the idea of moving around and looking for the right thing, it's really what you should be doing in the first half of the season. You're not an established team that's won the cup and it's, it's clear last year that you had something really working with Skinner Thompson and Tuck playing together, but there's also a way of looking at it as like, is that the only thing that's working? Maybe right. that, maybe that's not the, a good thing then to have what could be your best three forwards on the same line. So yeah, I, I actually am interested to see how these guys look on Tuesday and Thursday, how these new lines look. If we do go into those games with the lines that they have in practice. Well, right. And I think also on top of that, too, I, the, the other thing that we're going to have to keep keeping an eye on as we're getting further into the season. And uh, I mean, especially more so down the line as the trade deadline approaches is again, like, there, uh, you know, is the time now to make a move with the forwards? We, we know, like we said, it seems like there's maybe one too many spots uh, taken up in the top nine right now. Is this the time to do that when you're having these injury issues and these injury woes when you have a, a pretty important stretch coming up here now? you know, really what this team is at the new year, I think is going to, and we've seen teams go on runs after the new year, of course, but I think how they're positioned on January 1st for the second half of the year, I think is very important. And so do you think the time is now for them to make a move and try and pick up somebody for the blue line right now to kind of fill some of these holes? Because as you had said before, we don't necessarily know when we're going to see Samuelson again, or Yoki Haru for that matter. We don't know the extent of Darlene's injury now too. Do you think that now is the time to go out and, and make a move like that? It, Well, you know, I guess they would really know better than us in this specific example because they would know or have a better idea of when some of these guys will be back. If most of them, if at least three of them are going to be back, ideally within the next two to three weeks, if, if that's a real, real realistic time range, I don't see a real need for a move. Yeah. Uh, the thing that's especially annoying about four defensemen getting hurt is there actually was decent defensive depth. Sabres this year they could withstand two injuries and put pilot and Fitzgerald in there both of those guys can kind of hold their own especially pilot the problem is now you have four now you're dipping into what should be your 10th best defenseman in the organization playing actual real minutes it's that's what's annoying so if that's going to be the long-term thing yeah I I do think you if you think all four of these guys could be out a month plus definitely it's Someone I would obviously Ethan Bear was recently moved. That would have been someone I would have looked into. I'm not yeah. sure who else is available at the moment, but yeah, I, I guess you keep looking at waivers, but you don't usually have anything inter- too interesting come up on waivers during the season. Besides that, I don't know, man. It's it's really hard to know to ma- if you want to make a move or not. Because like I said, if three guys come back, what are you doing with the guy you made a move with? Right. I mean that's basically you're committing to bearing pilot in Rochester. You're probably kicking Yoki. How are you permanently the press press box? I love that idea. That's not the worst thing in the world, but uh, yeah, I, I, I guess it really depends uh, how severe the injuries are. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that, that I don't think it's necessarily the time, because I think depending on who it is, you end up moving. But I think if you're looking at, for example, I think in a best case scenario for both of us, it's trading Olafson, and Olafson should get you a return, a return that's better than a depth of defenseman. Like if you're moving Olafson to go out and make a move for somebody who is like actually going to be a permanent fixture in the top four, I think that's a, that's com- something completely else that we could talk about, but I would have to think that Adams is probably making calls to at least check in and see because the situation like bear, I feel like is exactly like if that would have been still on the table now, I bet he's a Buffalo Sabre, just all things considered what I would say, rather than moving a guy in the forward group for a depth defenseman like that, it's, it's a similar move to the bear one where even though those are a little bit harder to come by, if there is a way that you could part ways with a mid or a late round pick and be able to get a, a younger defenseman who maybe doesn't have horrendous on ice impacts and maybe has fallen out of favor with his organization a little bit, or maybe there's too much depth there or something like that, where you could try and make a move for a guy like that. Um, but at the same time, you know, in terms of making a, a move with the forwards, like if it is Olafson, I don't, while I don't think that necessarily trading him for like a depth defenseman move is, is the right way to go. That doesn't mean that I don't think that it's still a bad thing to potentially trade him right now. Again, just because you can get more of an increased look at, you know, Quinn playing in the top nine on an every night basis. Like I want Quinn and Krebs in the top nine every night. And I understand that there's obviously some value to putting a guy in a press box a night here or a night there, but it just gets too tough. Then like, I don't want Asplund sitting either. And so you're just at this point right now where you got to just make the determination of, you know, well, one, obviously how long we want to continue doing this. But as we had said last episode, which of these forwards is it worth it to really hang on to at this stage of the game? And who is it worth it to just move on from that? You know, that they're not going to be here a year or two out from now. So Olsen's value, I think, you know, it's trending in the right direction right now. I think he's up to nine goals in, in 12 games. So that's great. Hopefully we continue to see that. And who knows? I mean, by the time the trade deadline comes around, he's maybe he's passed 20 goals and, and the, the move is there. But either way, I, I could see the logic in either approach, whether you go out and make a move now or you kind of stand pat. Because if you know, for example, like you said, if Samuelson's going to be back in a couple of weeks and Darlene will be back soon, then you really don't have a ton to worry about there in terms of making like a panic move. But at the same time, if an opportunity presents itself, they shouldn't out of hand be opposed to pulling the trigger on that. Yeah, no, definitely. I, the, the other thing to say is NHL GMs have been weirdly adverse to trading, not near the deadline. Yeah. I don't know why, but it feels like 90% of NHL trades happen within a week of the deadline or within a week of the draft and free agency. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's very strange. So Hopefully there's someone out there uh, committed to getting something done because the Sabres, I mean, Delene, not Delene, Olsen is such a, an obvious candidate to move, still still is an obvious candidate to move. And yeah, theoretically, they might need a defenseman. I don't actually know if they do or not, though. I mean, I guess none of us really do. So I don't know. I, I hope Adams is at least exploring that. Yeah. I mean, I By the way, you... our, uh, our old friend Frank Reich is looking for a job. They fired him? If you know of anything, yes. Did they really? Yep. Wow, that's crazy. Been a tough uh, tough season over there in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, how much was old man Matt Ryan an upgrade from Carson Wentz, if we're being honest? I mean, I know Wentz wasn't great for them last year, but, like, 
I, I it, that just sucks for him because I feel like again they just like did not and I I mean I'm sure he has a you know a say in it a, a big say in it but like they really just did not address the quarterback position at all. You have an all oh they did uh, though they addressed it every year, but like they did just, they though? Yeah, I mean they just didn't address it well. Well, that's what I mean. That when no I one is no one's addressed it more than the Colts. I don't. I've never seen a, a, a franchise since maybe like the '90s Vikings or something like that that addressed quarterback. Every yeah, year. but do you really five different quarterbacks in five years? Right, but is it? But that's my point. Is like, is that actually addressing it? Like, it just felt like it was band aid after band aid. Like they didn't go for it. I mean, I know like the Wentz move was them trying to take a swing, but like they gave up on it after a year. And then what was your what was your option there? You went after Matt Ryan. Like, come on. I would have thought Matt Ryan would have been a little bit better. And a little bit better last year's Colts makes him a Super Bowl contender. But yeah, yeah, it turned out he was a whole lot worse somehow. Yeah, he really fell off. The thing is, though, they're in a really interesting spot that I think is almost impossible spot in football where in 2018, they were a team that you could have easily seen be, you know, with a, a tweak or two being a, a Super Bowl contender the next year. And you have Lux injury slash retirement. So you're stuck with Brissett next year, 2019. Not quite a playoff team, but like they did have playoff aspirations. They were solid ish. And then you have going into 2020, they get Philip Rivers, which is the same, not the same. It's a little bit better than Wentz and Ryan were, but not good. But the thing is, when you're looking 2019, we don't have luck anymore. We need a quarterback. What are we going to do? It's like they were too good to get a quarterback. Like, because the way you get a quarterback is one of two ways a good quarterback. Someone inexplicably becomes available via trade, which has happened, but it, it doesn't happen all the time. And usually the quarterback gets to decide where they want to go. And, or you finish bottom five. That's a good, reliable way to do it. They couldn't just do that. They already had a playoff team there. So I kind of get what they were doing, but even with the rivers one, I think all, all three of those guys are pretty washed. In fact, Carson Wentz might never, never have been not washed. Uh, but yeah, it's really weird team the past five years. I don't think I've ever seen a team go into five straight seasons with five different quarterbacks, each of the years having big playoff aspirations. That's a good point. Yeah, they were pretty interesting case study there. That's not a thing that happens anymore. That's something that like used to happen when it used to be possible to have a good like the Ravens used to have a different quarterback most years until like Flacco got there right. or like the 90s Vikings would have a quarter like well until they got to uh Randall Cole Cunningham. And Cunningham. Cunningham, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Cunningham was only there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weird thing, but you know what? Good riddance, pal. The Colts were good for too long. It's time. It's time for them to to deal with some real bullshit years. I agree. Where I wonder where he's going to end up then. Probably OC, right? I don't know if he get another job right away. Yeah, feels like he'll be the kind of guy that would go get an OC job and then get hired again as a head coach. Yeah, honestly, it's they're doing him a favor because his real he was going to get fired after the season anyway. So your option is you have roughly nine more weeks or eight more weeks of this, what we saw yesterday, or you get that time off and start working on your next job, pal. Yep. Anyway, thanks for the comeback game. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate yeah. it. Should we uh, take a break to hear a word from our sponsors? Yeah, I think we should. And we also should probably, but while you pull that up, uh, we had said that we had exciting news today, which was part of the reason why we were shifting our episode back. It turns out that we have to push back announcing said exciting news a week. So we'll have a brand new episode out on Monday of next week. And 
that will include our big announcement that we have. We can't get into too many details right now, but we have a really, really, really cool sponsorship opportunity with a Buffalo-based business that we're going to be rolling out and announcing. It's going to be more than just us doing ad reads too. There's going to be uh, several different components of it, uh, events, promotions, contest giveaways. So really, really exciting stuff coming. We can't get into the full details yet, but our episode coming out a week from Monday, well, this coming Monday, I should say, that will fully detail everything. We'll have our special guest on too, who's going to chat with us about uh, about the new partnership that we have rolling out. And we're so, so stoked for this. And we cannot wait to share with you guys. So make sure you're sticking around and tuning into Monday's episode. For sure. All right. Let's hear from our sponsors, DraftKings. NFL Sundays are only getting better. Disagree. And so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. So... You know, I've I've had DraftKings for a while, basically since it became legal in New York, the sports book, and I haven't bet in a little bit, honestly. But a, a bet I might be looking at is next week Bills to cover and over on the Bills Vikings game that's coming up this Sunday because the Bills I think have mostly responded pretty well to losses in the McDermott era, especially since Allen got, should I say, got good <laughs> since he got really good. I don't think they're just going to be like super thrilled the way they played in the second half against Green Bay and the way they played entirely through last week, especially Allen. So I think on one hand, the defense will be healthier. Two, they'll be at home. Three, Allen's going to be pissed off. They're going to, Ken Dorsey can be pissed off. They're going to want to have a uh, significantly better game. And the line will probably be pretty close because uh, the Vikings are seven and one. So anyway, so. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. With code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. And we're back. All right, so another important thing happened on Monday for the Sabres. Good news. Yeah. Good news. The Goathead is officially, officially back. We finally got our first look at the Sabres' new alternate jersey. Of course, this jersey, again, as a reminder for everybody, is a callback to the black and red jerseys that they wore from 1996 to 2006, and it will be their permanent third jersey for, I believe, the numbers were at, late, at least the next three years, which is really exciting. They kept it very, very, very in line with only a couple of minor changes to the jersey as compared to how it was from 96 to 2006. It looks unbelievably good. So good. And I think having that as their new permanent alternate jersey solidifies them as having the best home away alternate kits in the entire league. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. I think they announced the schedule of when they're wearing them. It's a little bit too much. It's a little bit too often, I think. But I think ideally going forward, you have some kind of reverse retro. You have this maybe for 
how many home games a year? Let's say like somewhere between seven and ten home games. You have the ten. Or was this year? It this year it's more. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying ideally you would do a little bit less, right? And then you have your your jerseys now, which are really cool. The the main ones. So I like that. Even though I'm not a big uniform guy, uh, I think that's the ideal setup to me it's this year i get it it's your first year of doing it people have been asking for a while so you're going to do it a good amount especially because they want people to go to games people aren't doing that yet so uh i get it while you're doing those multiple times i'll say on the other hand though going forward a little bit less make it a little bit more of a special occasion maybe like a once a month thing or something like that throughout the season that'd be nice i also really liked how they announced it I think it was creative and I think it's the kind of thing in years past um, you wouldn't have seen from the social media department. And I think it, for those who didn't see it, it was, they did a a live cam of uh, actual living goats in the Sabres visitors locker room. Uh, I believe Sabretooth made an appearance and there was a countdown and then cool reveal with Oposo, Tage and Tuck wearing the the new red and black jersey. So that was cool. I got to shout that out because the bill social media has been really good. I assume they're kind of under the same umbrella with PSC. So it's just drastic improvements with the social media in recent years. Definitely like considerable. I think, especially on the Bills side, I think before their stuff used to be kind of corny, honestly. And now the Bills social media is just like really weird, but the way that they're able to incorporate all the players into it, it actually elevates it and makes it funnier. Like, the, the video that they put out last week about how where they had Josh locked in the closet that he was the social media manager and they're like screaming at him to like think of new content like that was pretty good. Would it be Miss Thomas? Fun? Right, right. Like, would it be as funny if it was like Matt Barkley or Case Keenum? No, but I think it's also because Josh is just kind of like a goofy dude. But and he's just like our beloved star quarterback. But in general, like the the premise of that was pretty funny like in like their montage videos they do are always really funny too and have like i don't know there's a nice little like original originality and like a flair to it and yeah i think you are starting to see that more and more on the saber side if you know maybe like the the video editing team is like contributing there if like you're saying that them falling under the same umbrella is contributing to that but yeah, they're, they're just getting way more creative. It's not like corny or cheesy as much as it used to be, which was like definitely a problem. And uh, so, yeah, good for them. I love the jerseys, though. I thought the rollout was great. Like you said, really, you know, no complaints here. I, I, I can't complain. Like it's a it's a goodwill thing for the fans. The jerseys look sharp. The players look good in the jerseys. The upgrades look really good. So all in all, two thumbs up. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh is there any interesting games of intrigue going on this week with the Sabres? Mm, there is one that we will especially be previewing on Thursday for our Thursday episode. And also happens to be taking place Thursday night. Jack Eichel comes to town, Taylor, your thoughts. Who's that now? Agreed. Agreed. We will talk much more about this on Thursday's episode. We'll give a full preview of the game. We'll talk a little bit about Eichel's, run with the golden Knights this season, how they've been looking over there, maybe reflect back on some of his time with the Sabres as well. Uh, if that actually did exist and did happen, I should say, but should be an interesting game. And prior to that, the real one that we're worried about this week, folks, huge, huge matchup coming on Tuesday as the Sabres take on the Arizona coyotes, thankfully at home and not away. Group Powell. Um, so 
Yeah, they, they that's this is a game you should win. I don't care if you're missing every single defenseman. I don't care if you're not playing with any defenseman. The Coyotes are stunningly bad, and they don't have any. They even have even worse goaltending than the Sabres have had in recent years. So who do you think we're going to see in net on uh, Tuesday? Is it going to be our, our dude, Carol Vegmelka? Probably, yeah, I would assume. Cool. So it, it's, yeah, do some goal scoring would be my suggestion. I would like that very, very much. Yeah, this is a game you got to win. Arizona's 4-6-1 and one right now, but we know what they are. Just, just win. Absolutely, yeah. Not much more needs to be said besides that. So we'll see how it goes. So we'll recap the Arizona game for our Thursday episode as well. Taylor, do you have any recommendations today? Mm, I like the new season of Big Mouth. I don't know if people still watch Big Mouth, but I liked it. I stopped watching, actually, so I uh, I was unaware. That it's it was pretty good, season six. Okay, all right, very nice, very nice. Do I have a TV show? I feel like I have a TV show that I'm blanking on that I have. I not. am shocked that there's one you have not recommended yet. What one? Andor. Well, because it's not the end of the year yet, end of the season yet. When I wanted to wait, oh, okay. it wraps up. But man, you know what? I'll recommend it now. You should. Have you watched any of it? Uh, no, I'm. I'm gonna. I've heard, I've heard I checked in with my Star Wars people and it's it's been recommended officially so wow to check it out good. I feel like I I don't know if I'm a part of your Star Wars people because of I'm too biased which I understand if that's the case oh yeah yeah did you just recommend everything for Star Wars I don't no, know which I one don't. I should watch or not <laughs> I do not recommend everything for Star Wars I recommend most things for Star Wars because I think it's worth watching at least but like Andor is legitimately good like it is oh no I I've heard good things and it's made I mean it's made by like a good movie director yeah like it's like. Which is was also true of the Mandalorian, which is I think yep. adds a, a level of quality. Well, and I think the thing that's really cool about Andor that I, I like is that it does a great job of like the slow burn story approach. Like each episode, the stakes get a little bit higher and a little bit higher, but it doesn't feel like you're just like, you know, the big thing is coming, but it doesn't feel like you're just like waiting around for it. Like I have been glued to every single episode and intrigued with every single episode where the plot goes with each of them. The acting performances are great. It's visually just awesome, stunning. Um, But yeah, just like the pacing of the show and, and the way that they're building the arc is just so good. And it's so satisfying and it feels like we're getting like a little bit more and a little bit more every week. And it leaves you wanting more without you feeling dissatisfied from it all. So I was going to wait until the end of the season. There's only, I think three episodes left to recommend it, but I will gladly recommend it. Now, if you have not started yet, it drops every Wednesday. There's a new episode that comes out. There's only three to go start it now, catch up on it. You will not regret it. It is really, really, really good. Highly, highly recommend. Diego Luna is going in in that performance as uh, as Cassian Andor, the title character. So all in all, yeah, that's a that's a big, big recommend for me. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And while you're checking them out, make sure you're also heading back over to our page. Leave us a nice little review. Give us a rating, whatever it may be, whatever podcast platform you're on. Make sure you're following or subscribe to us as well. Then follow us on social media, Straight Up Sabres on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you're checking out uh, both of the presenters of this podcast as well. Make sure you are following along with us too, because as I had mentioned before, we're going to have a really, really exciting 
new cool sponsorship that we're going to be rolling out and following us on social media will be a very good idea so that you're keeping up with all the cool things that we're going to be doing there as well. Last but not least, make sure you're heading over to DraftKings and using that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. (laughs) 